Welcome to the Select Sires Podcast. Talking your success, our passion. Starting in three, two, one. This is the Select Sires Podcast, and thanks for joining us. I'm Joel Penorwood. Joining me, Director of Communications at Select Sires, Leslie Morris. Leslie, thanks. Hey, happy to be here, Joel. Excited about the topic today. Very timely and definitely where our industry is moving to. We're excited about this. Uh, Absolutely. And as we talk about what we're going to talk about, you know, we hear about beef on dairy and the phenomenon that everyone is, is thinking about. How can we best use it in our situation? Well, today we're going to be talking about beef out of dairy. A little bit of a different take on that. And joining us today, we've got two outstanding folks that know more about herd flex in particular. And so joining us today, Chris Siegerson and Brandon Teske. Before we get to that conversation, though, it's time for our highlight of the podcast. As we'll find out on today's topic, herd flex can be a part of a strategic heifer replacement strategy. In today's world of tight margins and ensuring every pregnancy counts, that also means being as sure as ever before that animals in production are staying healthy. Slack sires can help through our portfolio of herd management solutions. Jill Strangsteling tells us more. Hi, I'm Jill Strangsteling, Director of Herd Management Solutions for Select Sires. And with me today is Scott Gottschalk. Hi, I'm Scott. I am the National Account Manager working with the animal health products for the company. Today, we're going to talk about one of the staples of our herd management solutions product portfolio. We're going to talk about the TriStart Bolus. The TriStart Bolus and where does this come in? It is a really fantastic direct-fed microbial. It's a strong dose to help get animals feeling better, get them on feed better, get them eating better. And any time you talk about direct-fed microbials, you're talking about autoimmune responses and healthier animals. So let's just quickly talk about where would you use it. Every now and again, we have a tough calving. That tough calving has led to either an animal that's not feeling well, the mama cow is not feeling well, she might even get a DA, a displaced abomasum, she goes off feed. Some of the cattle sometimes get a really bad case of dysentery. If you got a sick one and you gotta you gotta get them in the chute or work with them anyway, you give one of these boluses down their throat, you're gonna put a hundred billion direct fed microbials into their stomach. And within 24 hours, you've totally repopulated the gut. And we've always got those challenges following vaccination or transport. You know, another good place would be like even for show cattle, growing up in a show family, yep. you often had an animal that was off feed in the show circuit. And so those would be some other additional benefits. So we call TriStart our show me product. Mm -hmm. Basically, the results are obvious and they're very quick. One of the staples of our program, and we invite you to contact your select science representative and learn more about TriStart today. More on that product and other options to help you and your cattle online at selectsires.com. On to the main discussion. Chris, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't mind, I'm going to hand it off to you to kind of give us an overview of each of uh, what you folks do and a little bit of your backgrounds in working with dairy producers and and beef producers, as we'll be talking about today. Sure. Happy to be here. Thank you for the chance to share our perspective on on herd flex and and how we're working to position that, obviously, to create more value for our members. So my position now within the Select Sires is general manager responsibilities for both the Minnesota Cooperative as well as COBA. And with that, of course, is uh, the responsibility to serve our members and and support my colleagues, both client-facing and within the background that make the value proposition come to life. 
My background is been involved in, in a couple of different egg businesses through my career, utter health, milk quality, genetics, and reproduction. And I spent some time at one of the world's leading embryo technology companies prior to uh, coming to Select Sires. And, and uh, as a result of that, I had some passion and interest in how embryos can potentially become a significant part of what Select Sires brings to its members. Thanks, Chris. Brandon, over to you. Awesome. Thanks for having me join and, and excited about the topic that we have today. Uh, I've been with Select Sires for 10, going on 11 years now, and I currently work for both Mid-America and Minnesota Select Sires as a corporate account manager. So ultimately, my main role and responsibility is I get the opportunity to work with our very best, mostly dairy producers, either the customers that we have or the prospects that we're chasing after. And the end goal is how can I help them make decisions that are most profitable and, and, uh, and helping them make their next generation their very best. I graduated from the University of Minnesota with a degree in animal science and, and started my career with Select Sires. And, and luckily, uh, throughout that journey, I've done a lot of different things from sales to managing people to consultation and really excited for the position that I'm in today, as well as getting to serve a five-state area and, and two of our member-owned co-ops. So it's been a blast so far. Well, thank you guys for describing your backgrounds, and and it's great to see in-depth backgrounds and how we're bringing it to today's topic. So if you don't mind, before we get further in-depth, let's just take sort of a, a big-picture view of what is HerdFlex and how is it unique in the marketplace? Because it's different than, say, oh, yeah, well, it's a beef on dairy option. Well, not really. Tell us about that. Sure, certainly. Thank you. So, uh Brandon uh, shared the phrase in his opening, making the next generation the best. Every single pregnancy is an opportunity to create the next generation that delivers the highest value, highest profitability back to their business. In, in dairies that are doing exceptionally well uh, in reproduction uh, and calf livability and heifer completion rates, they're going to have this magical opportunity to make lots of baby cows. And which are the ones that we make uh, from each pregnancy are going to create the highest return. So HerdFlex is a partnership uh, with another leading egg company by the name of Simplot. And we can talk more about them later. Uh, but it's a partnership to lean on their expertise, their technology, their assets of the ability to uh, make lots of uh, really good embryos custom designed to our dairies and present them into situations where they have pregnancy available that aren't needed for replacements and pregnancies available that uh, can really maximize the return on each one that they produce. Brandon, what, what might you add to that? Yeah, and I think as I think about how it's unique in the marketplace, it's ultimately, Chris mentioned there, where it's, it's specifically made and tailored for making that most valuable offspring. So for us, it is how Select Sires plays a role is utilizing our beef department to understand how can we make the absolute best beef on beef calf that comes out. So in the matings and the creation of those embryos, we are selecting sires that are specific for the market as well as what we think will perform the best. And then along with that, I think the HerdFlex story is also just as importantly about combining with our people on the ground and our select sires team that an embryo doesn't do you any good unless you create a pregnancy. And so I think that's tied hand in hand of that story of how it's unique is once Select Sires is able to work with our dairy producers of understanding how we implement that strategy into their dairy and, and ultimately how we can make them the most profitable. 
you guys both talked about, e- even when you were introducing yourselves, the value that we all set out to create for for our member owners and, and what we're doing about that. And then you're talking about creating valuable pregnancies. And so this program is is really a little bit different than than inseminating a cow with, well, it's a lot different than inseminating a cow with beef semen, right? But they're getting a full beef on beef calf. So it is it is a traditional beef calf, and that's creating a quality product to enter into the marketplace down the road. But let's talk about the value there versus, you know, like how, how that translates into beef on dairy, which everybody is talking about beef on dairy. And let's talk about that value proposition a little bit more and, and dig into that if we can. Sure. Yep. So I think if you if you start with the end in mind, what's the most valuable situation for the consumer ultimately, but for processors and feeders and ultimately back to the dairies is because of the genetic attributes that these calves have, it's the biggest return on on investment through that process, given the ability to to grow and to finish and present the the carcass qualities uh, that are most valued. And so the other aspect that puts our dairies in a super, well, unique, but interesting position compared to traditional beef production is they're making calves, pregnancies all year round, right? And you know, the, the ebbs and flows of the availability of beef calves are one of the core challenges that feeders and processors face on a regular basis, whether that's small scale or, or exceptionally large. And because dairies are consistently making calves all year round, it really changes the dynamics of the supply chain and boosts predictable value even more for uh, all the way through the system. So while, you know, beef on dairy calves are obviously part of that same production system. It's the other attributes of that, that the right tailored genetics can present in terms of uh, uh, timing of finishing, uh, conversion uh, of feedstuffs in a more hasty manner, and then certainly the, the carcass quality traits that the market ultimately seeks. Yeah, the thing to me that I think is really cool about our dairy producers is year after year, we just keep elevating and becoming better at the product that we're creating. Yeah. Uh, this is a little bit different because it's not necessarily on the milk side, it's on the on the beef side. And really for years, dairy producers have been beef producers. Uh, we've been making, whether that be Holstein or Jersey or whatever breed that you have, male steers, and that's been an important part of the supply chain. And over the past couple of years, we've figured out ways of how we can make that a more valuable product by making beef on dairy calves. We then have figured out what are the specific traits? What are the type of bulls so we can make those calves even more valuable? And I see herd flex as the next step. The word that I'm going to keep going back to in our conversation is strategic. So it's to me, how do I look at each individual animal on my farm and how can I strategically think about what can I do to make the most valuable offspring out of that cow? And whether that's sex semen, beef semen, or, or beef herd flex embryos. And, and one example I have is, is a dairy that I work with that has multiple breeds. The beef on dairy animals out of their Holsteins or out of some of their crosses are still a very valuable and a, a great product. But they have some, uh, whether that be jerseys or they have some other smaller animals that they know just don't make as valuable a product. So they're very pinpoint of understanding how they can be strategic of what they're creating and what they're doing. So that to me, and, and along with a lot of the other characteristics that Chris talked about, that the herd flex value proposition from health and rate of gain to end carcass traits, 
uh, it allows us to to be really pinpoint on what we're trying to create. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's something that dairy producers over history have always been keeping focused on creating and producing a quality product for for our consumers. And that that's always been traditionally through milk. And, you know, Brandon, you said it great that our dairy producers have always been beef producers as well, just kind of like as a byproduct. But I, I think turning a little bit of focus into creating quality beef and, and, and doing that for our consumers is, is kind of where, where the conversation goes a little bit. And it's, it's really interesting to, to bring that up to people and to our members. Yeah. You know, and one of the other things that isn't necessarily specifically tied to how this product are made or, or what the product is, but one of the, the distinct advantages that dairy producers have is traceability is data collection, yes. uh, sustainability, right? We're, I'm throwing all the buzzwords at yeah, you right, right now. Yeah, right, we're getting into it um, <laughs> But But truly, as we think about what can, what advantages and, and what makes this product unique and, and unique for our producers, it's, it's the ability to, again, elevate that story and have all of that in there that every single animal that's created can have an RFID tag on them that can tap back into their herd management software so that... When that carcass is on the rail, we know exactly what it is, where it's from, how it's been raised. That, that story is there to tell, and, and, uh, and we're excited to do that with HerdFlex. Building on that idea of this added value proposition and then also strategy to it, you know, the strategic way we are putting in this program, what type of dairy is going to see the most value or, or return or or are you guys finding that it is fitting in with their system? Yeah. So Brandon touched on that just a little bit. Let's, but let's bring more out. I'll, I'll start with you know, where, where HerdFlex is going to work and, and where it's not that piece of it. When you seek, you know, higher levels of, of opportunity with that comes a new set of challenges and, and potentially some risk, if you will, that one will need to embrace uh, if you're going to utilize embryo technologies in your production system. And, and by the way, you know, there's a significant upscaling that's happening in, in the U.S. dairy industry. And in fact, I think a little bit behind maybe some other parts of the world that embryos are becoming a bigger and bigger part of commercial food production. And as a result of that, we're going through that learning process. And HerdFlex is right at the front of that, along with the utilization of, of dairy embryos in other cases. But to make embryos successful, you're going to need to start with a, a dairy production system that is already performing at a very high level of reproductive success. Like, like we're not going to fix problems by throwing some embryos into the mix. Uh, you're going to have to be really, really dialed in in terms of your reproductive performance parameters already which then presents you the chance to consider embryos. And so, you know, what, what kind of dairies, they're going to have to be ones that already have a lot of extra pregnancies to consider uh, for this use. They're going to have to be really good at reproduction already, which just speaks largely to the fertility of the cow herd, uh, but also the performance levels of those involved in managing reproduction. And, and that's a complicated subject, but, you know, just measured by conception rate of use of semen starts to lend itself towards believing that we could probably make embryos work. But then, of course, we don't put an embryo in on uh, on estrus day, right? It's a week later. And so we have to have good management 
responsibilities and identifying those cows and then presenting them back to a professional embryo transfer technician. And then there's a technique aspect that goes along with that as well. So it's those kinds of dairies that are that are performing well, managed well, and have the personnel that understand this is this is different and and subject to a higher level of performance and expertise than breeding with semen. We're proving every day it's more than possible to make this work, but we've also proven that it can go the wrong direction if we're not buttoned up in terms of uh, the responsibilities of everyone involved. Yeah, I think Chris did an excellent job of of walking through the the, the day to day and and the logistical piece of of what's needed. Uh, as I think about it from say a five thousand foot view, I really think it's about people that are forward thinking, uh, they're opportunists, but also to me, it's about who are the dairymen that are sick of being price takers and really want to be not only a price maker but a price creator. And our very best dairymen are always trying to think of how they can stay competitive. And what's going to position them at the market different than, you know, other dairies in the industry. And, and for certain, if you can understand how to implement this and, and put this management style into what you already have happening, you create a distinct advantage. We've done an exceptional job of understanding how to get cows pregnant with semen really, really well. I have a, a pure group of around 45 dairies that I look monthly at their reproductive parameters. The average preg rate in that group is 30. I mean, that's, that's crazy to think that average is, is 30. So it's, to me, it's about how do I get, how do I go from not only good to great, but great to exceptional and looking for those, the very best dairies. So yeah, great point, Chris. I, I would just add to that, Brandon, ultimately, um, what this has to connect to is what's the value of the outcome that the market is going to respond to. And for dairies that are marketing the calf as a wet calf, uh, that's different than those that might retain them to four or five weights to those that might finish them. Uh, but the market's going to have to speak in terms of, you know, what's that calf worth to them. So back to your question of what's the, you know, what's the ideal dairy, there's a pretty significant economic consideration in here. Assuming you know the reproductive things are in line. What's it cost to make a herd flex calf versus what's it make cost to make a beef on dairy profit source calf or a TD calf in in some areas of the country versus what it costs to make a herd flex calf and then and then what's the consumer willing to pay for that? We're still somewhat early in in scaling herd flex to understand that value completely, but we do have some good data and some good anecdotal experiences. And we also have the response of uh, one of the largest feeders in the country that's seeking many thousands uh, of these herd flex calves so they can scale up their understanding even further. So and what that really comes down to at the moment is uh, Jersey dairies uh, specifically are getting less for their calves than Holsteins in most places of the, of the country, uh, the calf that they don't need for replacement. And so the greatest value proposition today is likely in a Jersey dairy versus a Holstein, uh, but it, it's market dependent. But I would say if you get right to it, little brown cows that don't get rewarded for bull calves that don't need have a pretty significant economic opportunity to look at uh, creating straight bred beef calves out of those cows instead. I think that that's where my mind goes too. is, you know, what's the value of the alternative, right? Like you're going to get a pregnancy and, and we at Select Sire has, have talked for the last 
few years, if not, if not more about right sizing your herd and getting and, and achieving your goals with the right amount of replacement heifers and, and making sure and how that all plays into that bottom line and the profitability of the overall, of the overall operation. And I think that, you know, this falls right into line. Of course, each dairy has their own goals and, and, you know, Chris and Brandon, your teams definitely work with them to help them achieve those goals. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the management styles and, and if we can implement that. But I think that there's a lot of value here for these Jersey dairies to continue to right size their herd while creating and creating an impact in, in our, our food production system bigger than what, what they might be right now. And, you know, you talked about the data, you talked about the packers and guys comfortable sharing any of that information with our listeners. So let me go to the middle piece and I don't have the data in front of me today, but we did some evaluation of the initial smaller set of calves from the dairies onto the uh, growers, onto some feeders. In particular, you know, a shout out to these folks that are willing to stick their necks out just a little bit and help us learn along the way. A grower in Southwest Minnesota specifically, and then onto uh, Triangle H feeder uh, south of Garden City. From their perspective, that the calves are performing. What's also interesting, which isn't performance data, but the genomic testing attributes of these calves is pretty phenomenal. And they continue to rank in the top 25% of the Angus breed in terms of the EPD profiles and from a performance perspective. We don't yet have known carcass data in any big set. So we're really relying on believing in genetics, believing in the attributes that uh, the specifically selected sires that we're using uh, to fertilize the oocytes with and expect the outcomes to be based on that. But honestly, until we have um, the thousands that we're working to produce right now into the system, we, we won't know specifics. So we're still betting on the common, relying on what we know about uh, the genetic attributes of the, of the males and females that are going into making the embryos. Yeah. And I think the other thing to point out, and, and sometimes it's easily forgotten and maybe glossed over to those people that would be holding on to these calves a little bit longer than than just like day old calves and selling them, is that these are full blood beef calves, and and they're they're going to be more efficient converters Absolutely. of of yeah. feed to meat, right? And it versus a a traditional beef on dairy calf. So I think yeah. that that adds value to this program too. Absolutely. One of the things to me is, as I think through on a, like what we're trying to do, we're, we're ultimately trying to create a product that can't be nicked or docked or found something that's undesirable about it, right? So this program is how can we create a product that that can't happen to? And how can we do it before, again, I'm talking about creating the market before, rather than just accepting some of those docks, we can, we can create that more valuable product. I also think, again, from a, from a larger perspective, we understand the shrinking beef population and, and where some challenges will be there. And so I think that presents a, a ton of opportunities. And something that's interesting that, that you mentioned before is our dairymen are also no longer just milk producers. Mm-hmm. They're also becoming heavier involved in feedlot operations and retaining ownership. So this is a full encompassing program and thought process that a lot of our very best producers are trying to understand and figure out of what works best for them. And, and every operation and every situation is going to be a little bit differently. Sort of preempted that last question there, and we've talked about it quite a bit today, of part of an advantageous replacement heifer strategy 
uh, for the future of the farm. How does this fit into, and as Brandon was just saying there, it might be different for each one, but does this fit into an ongoing beef on dairy strategy? Are dairies committing entirely to this as a, you know, a beef on beef program, really? Or what are you guys seeing so far? Yeah, so I, th- I think what's really important, and I hope if it's not already happening, that it, those that are listening, or whether they be producers or employees or consultants, that every dairy should already be thinking about before I stick a unit of semen or an embryo into that cow, am I being strategic and am I thinking through, is that is that the best decision that I can make there? And so our ability to break down percentage-wise and understanding, okay, first and foremost, how many replacements do I need to make so that this dairy can stay the same size or grow or shrink. And and so from there, we're understanding the utilization of sex semen, the utilization of genomic testing, the utilization of conventional semen. How am I making the most valuable female animals on my dairy? And then from there, once we understand how many I need to make, we then can break down and understand who should I make those out of. Uh, And again, whether that be through a parent average ranking or genomic testing information, we can really segregate the herd down into okay, here's who I want to make replacements out of because they're going to make my most valuable next generation. And here are the animals that, you know what, genetically, I I really don't want a replacement. From there, we can then better understand who would be the best eligible animal to put an embryo in. So I think on a a blunt answer, no, we're, we're probably not going to have dairies that are all in just due to the fact of we still need to get cows pregnant. And the number one way that these guys make money is, is milk. So keeping our days open is really important. Mm-hmm. So we want to be strategic about early services, younger lactation animals, as we know that we can get the performance out of those animals. So again, it's, it's thinking through how many do I need to make? Who should I make them out of? And then moving forward from there, what product type should I be using? So as we talk about this, from your perspective of, of working in the field, making this happen, what are some common, some questions or maybe some points that you'd like to talk about? Sure, maybe they may be talking about something like conception differences, conception rates, or the importance of the technician. Let's just jump into some uh, points of conversation that you guys would like to have and maybe would have if I'm a producer asking you some questions. Sure. Excellent topic, Gary, to venture into in. From a dairy perspective, of course, uh, creating pregnancies is, is of uh, ultimate importance. And so it's a common question that's received as one starts considering embryos. And it takes a lot of concerted effort uh, between ourselves and, and the Simplot company that's helping us develop uh, both people on our staffs as, as member cooperatives, but also employees of dairies that are willing to commit to the journey to move through the process of becoming you know, quite good at it. So the technician component is, is paramount to ultimately success. When we did our initial round of, of research of putting embryos into lactating dairy cows, we had two primary technicians at five dairies, happened to be in Minnesota. Paul Tweeten and Seth Ord developed, uh, deserve a lot of credit uh, for venturing into this. But after hundreds of embryos across nine months into similar groups of cows using both beef semen from select sires or the embryos, we saw very comparable results between the two tools to create pregnancy in. Other than when we got out to, I'll say, more fertility challenging group of cows, so so later lactation cows, kind of third plus lactation, we seen the embryo numbers start to drop off a little bit. 
And this wasn't a super scientific study, but our belief would be that those cows are a little less fertile, but they also probably bigger cows and maybe a little bit more challenging to put the embryo gently where the embryo needs to go. The piece that's super interesting, though, that's been well documented across many university studies and with various embryo companies is that when cows are under heat stress, we often see a boost in conception and pregnancy rates using embryos versus semen. And and I knew that uh, given some of my background, but I didn't reveal all of that uh, to our team that was uh, putting in their first Herdflex embryos. But when we sat down and looked at the data, sure enough, there it was again, that even in Minnesota, we have summers. And through, <laughs> that, through that period, we see a boost of six to 8% in conception uh, with embryos versus semen. So when we when we jump back to this word strategic that Brandon utilized earlier, I think that's a really important consideration we can think about that we may or may not seek to be utilizing embryos all year round, but we can certainly consider that not only is the calf outcome potential a nice you know economic opportunity, but keeping reproduction to high levels of performance through even those times of year when heat stress and all the other things we do to help our cows be as comfortable as they can, they still can be affected by that various ways and certainly in reproduction. And, and in a, a very strategic use of embryos through that time could make some economic sense as well. So kind of wrap that up, right herd, right cows, but right people. And for those that know how to artificially inseminate cows today, you cannot assume that you're going to become good enough at putting embryos in unless you're willing and able to commit the time in terms of the initial training aspect, but then a whole bunch of practice time without embryos, you know, in the hundreds of times probably, and then the willingness to commit to transferring many hundreds of embryos. And in a relationship with Simplot, it's it's a very economically feasible way to do that. Uh, because they're interested in in uh, building an army of technicians in partnership with them, both, again, our employees and employees on dairy. But once you get there, to have local people that can put in embryos, when embryos return the biggest investment, we can really change the landscape of the value that, that uh, our partnership can bring to our members, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so Chris really broke it down well there. The two main questions I run into is, How's it going to change conception and uh, what's the calving needs going to be? And and ultimately, I think another way to look at this or it, what can be really difficult is we're trying to do two things when we bring in an embryo program. We're, we're bringing in a completely different system and management style and, and we're training new people. So to expect perfect results right out of the gate is is tricky. So we have to lay the groundwork and we have to set ourselves up for success as well as we need to have uh, enough confidence that we can put in enough of them so that we can feel really good about the results that we get, right? So if we go into a situation and after the first 20 or the first 40 or the first 50, we pull the plug, boy, I, I can guarantee the first go around that you have of finding recips and setting up recips, it's not going to be as dialed in. So it just takes time. And so what we really need to be is be patient and make sure that uh, our training process, our recip selection, you know, all of those key factors are are really honed in. And then the second thing is we as we talk about cavinies, that again is really important to understand what breed of, of beef sire we're using, who is the sire that we're using to make the embryo, and we're just going to continue to keep getting better as we collect more information. And as I even, you know, mentioned that, 
we do an exceptional job at Select Sire of picking sires based on their fertility. We're going to hopefully get to that point with embryos as well. There's probably beef bulls that make a more fertile egg. And, and as we continue to collect data from our dairies and understand how do we dial in and, and get this, this process more strategic, we can do a better job. Chris and Brandon, what the heck do I do with this beef on beef calf, this full bred beef calf after it hits the ground? So I'm going to go back to more and more of our dairies are, are thinking bigger picture about being a price creator, are thinking about the full supply chain. And so to me, it's all about creating partnerships and really understanding how many do I need to make? Where do they need to go? What weight do I need to take them to? Who are the other players in the market? Those are the type of questions that I'd, I'd really, really start with. And so those are things that Select Sires has been involved with, with, with our partnerships, uh, again, through TD Beef, through Friona, of really understanding, boy, if, if I don't have a plan and I don't, I don't have anywhere to go after that calf is born, I've really sucked out so much of the value. So, you know, hopefully working with your Select Sires representative of understanding where do I go from here and how do I connect that to the bigger story of, of what's happening? And, and, and more and more of our producers are doing that. What do I do with the calf? Well, you take care of that calf like you would any right. other calf right. on your dairy. We're really focusing on utilizing the Angus breed. So, so they're going to come out with black coloration. But dairies are so good at taking care of calves. And, yeah. and quite frankly, I, I think they have a leg up in a lot of uh, calves that are being born this time of year in really challenging conditions. Uh, these calves are being born and we're processing them just like we would any other dairy calf on our dairy. We've got to dip some navels and we've got to get some colostrum into them. And then, you know, the calves that we've watched herd flex calves and move into a hutch and just go on to the standard milk program of that dairy, those rascals grow like crazy. So there are some other added potentials that I think will reveal themselves that we have these calves being born in, in a high quality level of management and care and nutrition, that they're going to have some early life advantage quite possibly over the native, native beef calves that, that are born sometimes in just some really challenging conditions. Like we don't know for sure if a calf being born uh, outside today is going to get colostrum. Uh, many times they do, of course, but that's sometimes mother dependent. In this case, we're really dialed in that these calves are getting what they need to do. So yeah, treat them like any other calf being born on the dairy, get them started right. And it's it's pretty cool to watch those rascals grow. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think that's a crazy question, Joel. What I think is really interesting, and, and obviously this is a podcast about herd flex, but I think there's still a quite a few uh, number of our producers that even ask that question on, on just their beef on dairy calves. So I think it's really, again, we're going to, we're going to hone in and, and keep hammering uh, on that word strategic. We, we've hopefully gotten past the point of just using cheap beef semen to create a black animal. Boy, we've really progressed and matured over the years of, of thinking through what is it that the market's going to find most valuable yep. that I can pull that value out of. So what is it that your regional area, because that's, that's something we've learned along this process, is that it's still very local, it's still very regional. Can you tap into that? Then from there, really understanding what is the base of cows that I have and, and how can I maximize what will be the most valuable offspring out of that. And then lastly, I can guarantee you that what we tell you today on this podcast is going to be different than six months or a year from now. We need to stay uh, nimble on our feet and, and really be adaptive because there's going to be so much data and information coming in on 
what's important and what we need to do to, to make that most valuable offspring that we're just going to keep changing. And so that's, that's the other piece is luckily in the dairy industry, we can do that. And by making animals year round, that's, that's really stinking important. So, man, I think that's a great point. Maybe to wrap it up here today. What do you think, Leslie? I thought I was thinking the same thing as he was saying that I kind of was in my head coming up with the a conclusion and just talking about how I think at Select Sires, we try to obviously bring so much value to our member owners and our customers around the world and offer them as many tools as we can. And in this program here, it, it, we talked about it today, really could be a tool for a lot of different pieces to fit into a, a dairy strategy, you know, whether it's increasing that bottom line and creating some more profit avenues, you know, like Brandon was talking about, or Chris, you know, you talked about the the fertility advantage, I guess you could say the conception advantage that embryos have, especially in the summer and in summer heat stress, and we're getting ready to come into that. And so, you know, I think there are a lot of different boxes that this program can really check off for our, our customers and our member owners as they're, they're going through and making plans for the future and how they can, they can continue with their dairy and, and making sure that it's, it's profitable down the road. Yeah. And Leslie, to me, how Select Sires plays into this is our role. Uh, we always talk about your success, our passion. And I don't think there's hopefully uh, any other competitor, anybody else in the field that knows their customers better than our Select Sires staff and feed, mm-hmm. field personnel do. And so it's, it's truly when you combine the resources, the talent, the knowledge on, on, on reproductive tools and how to get cows pregnant and advanced technologies like, like Herdflex embryos, it's that complete program. It's not just about where can I get the embryo from? Where can I sell the calf? It's about a fully encompassing program that combines, like you said, we, we love that, that toolbox analogy. And I think this fits so perfectly inside to, mm-hmm. to truly make the next generation their very best. And so that's what's exciting to me. I would just add that, you know, historically, embryo technologies and the use of them has been reserved for, to a pretty thin slice of dairy and beef production mm-hmm. in the world. And something that I'm just very passionate about and, and, and very excited about the chance to bring the Simplot company in, in as a partner. And this is one of the tenets of when we set out on this journey of where do embryos fit into our portfolio for our members it had to work for people that sell milk for a living. And with that comes the necessity to be scalable, like not just bake a hundred or a thousand embryos, but hundreds of thousands of embryos. And that's what our partner can do for us when we're ready. It also has to come at a value proposition that works, which means the embryos forget about what many of us know historically about how embryos are used and what they cost. We're blowing all that out of the water approaching this in such a way that makes embryo technologies available for everybody. And from a select sire's perspective, I I think this is just the very beginning of something that's going to have a big impact on all of our careers in the future of of where embryos fit into the overall value proposition going forward. So uh, it's an exciting time to be part of the genetics and uh, reproductive space and, and HerdFlex is getting us started. It's the very beginning of some very exciting opportunities, but it's the end of today's podcast for us. So, hey, Chris and Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Chris Siegerts and Brandon Tessing joining us on the Select Sires podcast. On behalf of Leslie Morris, co-host here, I'm Joel Penorwood for Select Sires. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in.